0: I don't know. <laughs> With the 28th pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Dallas Cowboys select Taco Charlton. That is so bad. That is so bad. Oh shit! All things NFL. Now here's your hosts, Woot and Y.
1: For the first overall pick in my heart, the Josh Y. Wise select Josh Wooten. That
0: was cute. How you going, buddy? (laughs) How you going? May the force be with you. How original is that? Have you ever heard that one before? I bet you
1: have it. Never in my life. Never in my life. Although yeah, no. I am a Star Wars fan, so happy Star Wars Day. Um, I'm not a Me too. I'm not a massive Star I, Wars nerd, but I, I like it.
0: I, I like that it goes from May the fourth and tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo, which is like, you know, our favourite food. So it goes from Star Wars Day to pretty much Mexico Day, which is just it's a great Shout out to
1: it. shout out to my franchise Guzman Y. Gomez, $5 burritos tomorrow. Um, really keen on that. Um, I know it's not. I didn't pronounce that correctly, but I want my surname in the title of my favorite fast food franchise, so deal with it. Uh, and speaking of fast food franchises, should we talk about maybe what we're going to do next month? Uh, or should we talk about draft? The draft? Yeah, apparently there was a, a, a small breeze last week. <laughs> <sighs> that was a good one. <laughs> For some of you, draft is also a term for a yeah. uh, you know that small breeze.
0: Absolute, it may have been your worst joke ever. <laughs> I want I want the listeners to know um, how guess. bad some of your calls were on draft day. They were absolutely atrocious.
1: Let's attractive. let's talk. Yeah, well let's we'll talk about the fast food stuff right at the end of the show if we get tired. But we've got we've got something coming in the next month or two, and it's not NFL related at all. But we're gonna have a bit of fun the off season, but yeah our draft day we were at Casa del Bungard in Mascot and it was a fun day we had a uh, small community of uh, NFL uh, fans uh, so we had Laurie Horish who's been on the show Mitch Doyle who's been on our Moneyball podcast a, a few times and, uh, and Matthew Bungard who's currently on strike at the moment so he is a journalist I guess um, at, right now <laughs> right now he isn't but um, it's sad times but Um, yeah, we went to his place to watch the draft, and some of the, uh, the the banner between you and Laurie being in the same division was just fascinating. Um, I wish I had the video of when he just laughed in your face at Derek Barnett, and then when you got the, the payback, like, 20 picks later, and they took an even worse player, um... And then when you rubbed it, I've got video of you rubbing it in his face. I might play some of the audio on this at the end of the show, possibly, if I can upload it somehow. Um, what do you mean somehow? I'm not disabled. I can do that. Um, that was just, that was peak draft, man. But when Dallas selected Taco Charlton and you just went ham on, on Laurie Horesh.
0: Yeah, well, I felt like I handled his, uh, you know, his, um, what, what, how do you say it? Um, bullying. Yeah, well, well, I wasn't, I didn't hate the pick. Laurie, Laurie didn't like the player, nope. and I was like, I was, I was just, you know, fine with it. I was just like, all right, if that's the direction Philly wants to go in, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have, a, I didn't have a problem with it. Like, like I said, I was fine at the time. I, I didn't, I didn't expect it. I, I felt like we were going to go possibly an end, but I didn't think it was going to be Barnett. But then, anyway. It couldn't have been better.
1: And what was funny is, and it was not that the fact that people had slid or anything like that. Like, TJ Watt was the guy Laurie really wanted. He was still on the board for them to go Taco Charlton. And they started saying, when they announced it, and he thought it might have been TJ Watt, just for a tiny, tiny second of hope. And then you can precisely time the moment where his heart just snaps into two. And then all you hear in the background is, Woot just screams, suck it. (laughs) It was uh, it was good fun. I was I loved uh, having the day at uh, Casa del Bunga. We had some uh, traditional gyros, some Greek food as well, which was outstanding. Shout out to uh, wherever we ordered that from. Um, I'm sure they're listening. Uh, that was fantastic. And the draft itself, like round one, was absolutely wild. It's so much more fun when you don't know what's going on, and we and we got like chaos from pick two onwards.
0: Yeah, it was great, and uh, I mean, it was really good because. I mean, we had probably five positions for both our teams that we knew they were going to pick from. Like, we knew, like, both of our teams were going to pick a quarterback or they weren't going to, you know, there was just positions they weren't going to draft. So that it was also like a complete wild card and we had no idea where our teams were going and there were so many teams at the top that we just had no idea. And no one, well, I mean, there were some people out there, but, I mean, the Bears, um, you know, Going about the draft in the way they did, I don't think many people anticipated for that to happen. So I mean, and then that threw just a complete spanner in the works, and just shows you how pointless mocks are every year. And but it, we great. still read and yeah.
1: have fun with them, though.
0: And yet we do them every year, and we love them, and they have no waiting the day after. And it's, you know what's <laughs> really funny as well?
1: Like we got screwed last week by some just some bad timing and scheduling, and some some just some stuff, and we had to do a last minute. We wanted to put something out before the draft. We we were desperate. So yeah. last minute we just said, all right, let's just do an alternate picks mock. And after we finished, I wasn't really happy with it because we it really had players sliding all over the place and it was like not how many mocks were around and I thought it was a bit unrealistic. But looking back on it, and we got a lot of listens on it too, so people appreciated it and liked it. And I and I thank people for tuning in. But we were spot on with like some of the slides. We had like OJ Howard sliding. I swear we nailed that pick to Tampa Bay. Like we just had like some of these weird picks that actually happened on draft day, it was somehow, uh, you know, actually happened in our episode. So it just shows you that you could just do it a hundred times, and you're never going to get anywhere near remotely close to guessing what's going to happen on draft day. Apart from round one, we'll get into the analysis in a minute. Um, some of the best draft moments occur on sort of day two and day three, and for me, the top of my my favorite draft moment had to be Drew Pearson coming out as a Cowboy fan and nearly starting a full-blown riot on stage with uh, the Philadelphia fans, who were absolutely wild. And I think the draft should be there again next year, because I thought they were spectacular.
0: They they did me proud. They did me proud. Um, No, it's like, I love the, like, there is kind of like a fierce rivalry, and then there's the rivalry where... You kinda just take the crap out of one another and that's that's I think is what is in the NFC East. I just think it's kind of like you know, no one likes each other but you like and there is hatred there, but it's not so much that it's it's it it is really like Laurie and I will never come to fists over anything. We don't hate each other, we don't you know but it's like we will non stop just go at each other saying that each other's teams are pathetic. And and and
1: Pearson just like it was like a WWE style like just, it's
0: exactly
1: what it was. It was amazing, and and then so that was your you know your Philly fans, and then my team had another great moment uh, later on in on day two or day three where they had picks done from the Indianapolis Zoo, where an orangutan would hit the screen and announce the pick, and it just irritated the hell out of Mike Mayock, which made it even funnier. And I think the more animals involved in the draft, the better. I think we should really try and mix it up with a variety of animals. Uh, making picks uh, throughout the draft.
0: I um, when it comes to all those you know life crosses and people, uh, you know, selecting on behalf of whatever franchise from wherever they are. I mean, Houston announced one pick from space, so that's just like out
1: of really this world.
0: Everyone. Literally, <laughs> literally out of this world. Like that's great. But some of, I don't understand how that pick nearly went so flawlessly, and you've got other places, which is just, you know, like a few kilometers away, and then they struggle so much with, you yeah. know, reception or just interference or just, you know, it's just not synced up right, yeah. and it, it is really, it's hilarious. Some of them are just a, an absolute schmuzzle, but yeah, I I, uh, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, I love it when it gets... It's the second day, and it's it's always it's always a Friday. We have to take work off or something, or you know, just try to organize it. And then on the on the Saturday, you know, you can you can just relax. But then on the on the Sunday, it starts so early. Oh, it is.
1: It's a dra- it's a drag. So
0: early, and I and you know, like I was I was up late that night with you know watching watching other sports. I know, God forbid, I watch other sport. Yeah, and. About to go to bed, and then I, I was about to go to bed, not thinking of when the when day three starts. And then you know I just looked at my screen and it said sort of like, I I'm just gonna say the 49ers. I can't remember what team and it was like. The 49ers select, and I'm like, oh my god, day three is already here. And then I just I just I just kept rolling. I kept rolling. <laughs> I, until yeah. I,
1: I didn't that, sleep on Saturday night. I I went and saw Get Out. Loved it. Phenomenal movie. Yep. Um, and then I got home at like twelve thirty. I'm like, do I even go to sleep for one and a half hours? Like, what's the point? So, just uh, powered on. But I hit the wall round six. I missed the entire round six. Yeah. So uh, sorry to those kickers and punters that I missed getting selected. Uh, you know, early. Uh, speaking of kickers and punters, uh, an Australian, uh, Cam Johnston, was our only sort of Australian this year in the. I uh, say sort of because Solomon Thomas. Spent five years here, so I guess we'll claim him. I mean, Russell Crowe was born and raised in New Zealand, and now he's Australian. Um, So Solomon Thomas was taken, you know, third overall. But uh, Cam Johnson joined the Philadelphia Eagles as an undrafted free agent. And if I'm Donnie Jones, not only am I uh, about to be in a mob, because my name's Donnie Jones, but I'd be seriously worried about uh, Cam Johnson breathing down my spine, because I think he can come in and take that job.
0: And, like... I am a huge Donnie Jones lover. Like I love Donny Jones. But if there's only one person that can take his job, please let it be Cam Johnson.
1: <laughs> hey, Donnie Jones. You take a you're taking a walk now. You never return. You know,
0: I'm um, a Donny Jones I oh, know. Donnie, no, you minute. get out of here. Pretty sure Donnie Jones about just, it. just got an extension, so we'll see what happens. Forget about it. You're out of here. There's a new kid in town.
1: Sorry. Anyway. About um, all right. Some other f- draft members before we actually get into the analysis. Um, after the Steelers selected uh, Juju Smith Schuster, yes, that is a real name, uh, the Steelers wide receivers got into a bit of a Twitter beef. Uh, people calling it Martavis Bryant's replacement because he's, you know, a bit, bit of a loose cannon off the field. And then he tweeted, nah, bro, that's Semi Coates' replacement. And then Semi Coates retweeted. Quote tweeted it with a LOL and the crying laughing emoji. And then Mike Tomlin had to literally step in and tweet, Play nice, boys. All on Twitter. I can't believe Twitter is still free. <laughs> it's a, What a website.
0: It's, uh, I mean, I don't know. If, if that was my team, I'd be really not happy.
1: Oh, well. You got a guy named Juju. So, you know, good stuff. Uh, all right. Some other... Good, good moments. James Conner and Dante Foreman, obviously getting drafted, really special moments. Very close together, actually. James Conner overcoming cancer gets to remain in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, uh, which is just you know a really great story. And then Dante Foreman, um, the, the Texas running back uh, who who lost a child last year, and he's, his his partner is expecting another one born on the same day that his his uh, former son was born, and then. Drafted by the Texans, so he gets to remain in Texas. Um, I could not watch that. I watched that story um, before day two on NFL Network, and it's hard not to shed a tear because it's a pretty amazing story. So for him to get drafted, that was uh, that was really really cool.
0: Yeah, no. Um, uh, we were talking during that, and I just said it was that was it was like such a tear jerking moment. Like yeah. it's hard not to feel something when you were watching that. It was just, and the the fact that the uh, his the the next child's um, due date is the same as the previous is just you know mind boggling right yeah it's
1: crazy it's and and that human elements kind of gets other like non fans like into it because I was watching that that special in the morning before it started and Emma was watching it with me because it it interests her and then she kind of went out for the day and she she got home like. It was really weird timing, like about a pick before Foreman got drafted, and she sat on the lounge with me and then saw him get drafted and watch Rich Eisen interview him, and she thought that was kind of cool. And she, yeah, so it's stuff like that that always gets other people involved as well. But uh, let's get into talking about round one, and then we'll talk about some of our, you know, favorite picks and favorite classes and least favorite classes, and uh, let's get straight into it.
0: It's showtime.
1: All right, so round one, as we said, a wild, wild ride. Uh, from pick two. Well, let's start with pick one. Obviously, Miles Garrett. All the talk was it was going to be Mitchell Trubisky in the last sort of twenty-four hours before, but the Browns absolutely made the right move in selecting Miles Garrett. Obviously. Uh, obviously,
0: yeah, obviously. I mean, there's not much more to say. We're glad they did that. They, gl- we're glad the Browns went the
1: way they did. So. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the right pick, and it, it all worked out for them on day two, nabbing Deshaun Kaiser with you know, insane value, and they ended up making some other trades in round one and getting even more value. So when you really look at their haul of what they achieved in in terms of nabbing a, a first-round pick next year, so they have five picks in the top 64 next year. They got Kaiser at 56, and they added Jabril Peppers and David Njoku in round one, and then they, they added a whole heap of players throughout the entire draft. It's It was just an insane draft. Some of their picks, like... Peppers, I'm not really sure what they're going to be able to do with him. I, I didn't really like the value, but then they got value on like Larry on Ogunjobi, um, and then they they also took Howard Wilson, and then they took Caleb Brantley. They took a risk late, um, but if his like legal stuff gets cleared, that's like a steal. So it's uh, it's it's a good solid draft for the second year in a row for Cleveland.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I really I really do like what they did. They, I think the whole Peppers pick, why I was a fan of it. I think. I think that they, I don't know, they, they just need talent. They just need to fill the roster with talent. And, you know, like, obviously not every player is going to stick. That's the same with any franchise. So when yep. you pick these extreme talented players or these athletic freaks, if they do stick, they're, like, franchise-altering. So
1: mm. Ceiling is so high. Does,
0: yeah, if Peppers does stick and they, you know, wherever they decide to play him and try him out, and if he does find a successful role somewhere... He can be an absolute game-changer, It's So uh, I'm fine with it, especially the amount of picks the Browns have, especially next season again. Yeah, I'm loving the whole Moneyball aspect. I'm I, I'm completely in love with it.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy how well it's working. And you talk about, like, the athletic thing. They're in an analytics office as well. So the acquiring picks part is part of that analytic process, but also taking these insane athletes and their first three picks were all, like, 90th percentile athletes. And then they sort of change it up a little bit a little bit in the later rounds but yeah i i couldn't agree more with what you said but the, the big shock obviously started with with pick 2 and the bears they res they received the number 2 overall pick and then the 49ers rookie coach head coach rookie general manager John Lynch was in a CBS booth like 3 months ago they received the number 3 overall pick number 67 number 111 and then next year's third round pick so they required four extra draft picks to for the bears to move up one spot and the bears take Mitchell Trubisky and they invited Mike Glennon to attend the Chicago Bears draft party at Soldier Field to watch that whole thing happen and John Fox didn't even know about it until after the pick was made
0: yeah and that kind of that kind of worries me I mean there's so much confusion about why they did it like I give the like if I had to give a grade, because I'm, even though I'm against grades, like I'd give it just as close to an F as possible. Like you're setting, you're completely setting up, like setting the franchise up to fail. I like what the Jets did in regards to, um, or are doing in regards to, you know, trying to build a roster before putting a quarterback into a bad position. I, I, I like that. Uh, sorry, I feel bad that... Um, Trubisky is going to have to go into this toxic environment with mm. you know minimal minimal weapons and just complete confusion around everything and you know he's he's going to be in real trouble and it's like if this isn't um, if you know John Fox didn't know about this and they're doing it um, just you know in the hope that Trubisky obviously turns into something and they're going to get rid of John Fox at the end of the year it's a it's a Super terrible move. and But if they keep Fox, you know, you kind of feel it's just as bad because Fox hasn't been doing anything. So yeah, It
1: was Pace's I, pick, not Fox's pick.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, mind-boggling. It, it is. It's completely confusing as to what they're doing. I'll say
1: this. I agree with you that it's an F at this point. It's, it's an F until it isn't. And when I say that, I mean, like, it was Miles Garrett until it wasn't, until the pick wasn't Miles Garrett, in that it's an F until... Unless Mitchell Trubisky ends up being a franchise quarterback, then suddenly you forget all those picks that they've given up. If Mitchell Trubisky ends up being great, and we're not going to know for a year or two, so it's it's going to be tough to really judge. So right now it has to be an F until down the line, Mitchell Trubisky maybe exceeds that value and, and plays really well and actually ends up being a franchise quarterback because it's actually a lot less than what the Rams and the Eagles gave up last year. And I know Trubisky isn't as... Polished as them because he only played thirteen games, but if he improved from game one to game thirteen in the way that he did, who's saying that he can't do that again in the NFL? But at the like at the moment, it does it does look so bad, and there's a lot of stink coming from that entire organization with these stories coming out afterwards. And look, the Mike Glennon thing we compared to Matt Flynn in that he was he essentially is on a one year deal anyway. Most of his money is front loaded, and they can cut him at the end of this year for minimal loss, but again, Russell Wilson was taken in round three, not trading multiple picks up one spot to to get Trubisky, and again, they could have just taken Trubisky at three, so this does sound a little bit crazy, but then on the other side, I'm just trying to look at the, the one sort of scenario where it actually kind of works out, and Ryan Pace hasn't had the chance to really take his guy yet, so he's kind of going down swinging, I think, if he realized maybe if the Bears failed this year, they are going to get He's going to lose his job anyway, so he at least will try and save his job by nailing a quarterback. Because if you nail a quarterback pick, then you're going to end up staying in, as a GM for a little while.
0: Yeah, uh, a few things like I, I, I definitely think they should sit Trubisky and just let, roll with Glennon, considering they're playing, they're paying Glennon so much. Yeah, absolutely. But then at the same, at, at the same time, when does that really happen anymore? Like every mm. every team says, you know. This is what's going to happen. We're going to sit him for a year. And the amount of times that doesn't happen, is just its becoming overwhelming. Like, I mean, everyone, these quarterbacks are generally on teams that are struggling. That's why they're drafting these quarterbacks to the top of the draft. And, you know, eventually it calls for these rookies to come in. And then, yeah, I still, I, I agree with what you said. If Trubisky is an absolute star or, you know, in the, in the, in, two, three seasons is, you know, a stud, no one's going to give it two hoots about, you know, how bad the selection was at the time. Yeah. But, like, as in an actual pick, not the player, the pick, and, like, you, I, I am completely of the philosophy that if you're drafting a rookie quarterback, you, like, you know, you need some foundation there to help him succeed. That's why I, even though Philadelphia didn't have the best season last year, they did as much as they could as set went up to succeed. Like they went full on out to get, you know, offensive coaches, quarterback coaches, similar minded coaches and things like that to, you know, help him succeed. Well you've got Fox who's defensive minded. You've got, you know, the GM drafting over the top of the coach and the coach not even knowing what's going on. That that isn't that's toxic.
1: That's not a good environment to to go into as a, a rookie quarterback with thirteen starts in college, uh, absolutely uh looking at the the bears rest of the draft just quickly i i didn't mind what they like they traded back a few times and, and picked up a few more picks that they they lost so the damage they made up for it a little bit i i do like adam shaheen as a player i remember dane brugler talked highly about him but many claim that was a reach eddie jackson's a, a great pick who, who slid to them who, who would have gone in the top two rounds if we went for a broken leg. But, like, that's not exactly a lingering in- injury. Well, like, the bone heals and, you, and you're fine. Like, I don't understand that. And then Tariq Cohen is, is being compared to, to Darren Sproles, So I really like that pick mixing him with Jordan Howard. I think you're going to have to rely heavily on the run game. But you talk about Trubisky. Like, if he does happen to play this year, he's throwing to Kevin White, Marcus Wheaton, Eddie Royal, and, like, Dion Sims. Like, it's not, like, how you give the guy a chance.
0: I know, right? And that's that's the thing. You need to you need to give this like if Trubisky does play, you need to give him as like many outlets as many big time weapons as you can. But at the same time, I hated their draft because their their defensive side of the ball, especially for a defensive minded coach like John Fox. They drafted one defensive player yeah
1: so it's just they're, they're not in a good position they're just not yes yeah. uh, all right on the other side of that trade and let's just talk about the 49ers draft as a whole and, and what they did in the in the round you know John Lynch could have at least taken ride pace out for dinner first am I right wow uh what a move what a baller move and mmqb's article just talked them through that and for a rookie GM and head coach, what a combination. You grab Solomon Thomas, and then you would have taken Reuben Foster at three if the Bears took Solomon Thomas, and then you manage to get him at 31 while he's on the phone to the Saints. You jump ahead of him, call him, and swindle him straight from the Saints. Two insane baller moves and hard hits from the, the Forbes Hall of Fame safety. John Lynch, tip my hat to you, sir. Yeah.
0: Um, just It was incredible. Like, 49 has had a great just a great draft. They and just if, they nailed it.
1: If both those guys and, yeah. turn out like great, there's a thirty for thirty on that draft, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if like Solomon Thomas, I feel is a safe pick, and then you've got Reuben Foster, who can just be—he can be something else. So it's, it's a it's a it's a yeah. wait and see thing for the 49ers in regards to Foster. But yep. I just I I love it. I love what they did. Like obviously factoring in the picks. Yeah, they They they, they nailed it.
1: Yep, and they also took our uh, our guy Akello Witherspoon in round three that we really like, and then interesting they they traded up for CJ Bethard back into the end of the round three, and he went ahead of like, you know Nathan Peterman and Brad Kyer and players like that, and CJ Bethard in that Peter King article, Kyle Shanahan said that he reminds him of Kirk Cousins, so that's something to keep an eye on, um, but clearly they're happy to roll with those three quarterbacks, Bethard. Uh, Barkley, and Hoyer for this year, and then they'll obviously reevaluate. Uh, you know, I feel like I say this every year, but next year's quarterback class is supposed to be much better. Um, so we'll wait and see what the 49ers do. But from a uh, round one perspective and a f- rookie head coach and GM perspective, that's a, that's an outstanding uh, start for them and their tenure, and a little bit of hope for 49ers fans because uh, they they really need it after you know one and a half years of tough times, after you know just five Super Bowls and. All the, all the tough times with Joe Montana is Steve York <laughs> uh, All right. So the other big move in... There was two more big moves in round one. The Chiefs moved up 17 spots for Pat Mahomes. They, they got the number 10 overall pick. The Bills traded down into the first round, grabbed Tr- Davis White, who will start for them, and they also picked up a third-round pick in 91, and then a first-round pick next year. I thought that was a really good job by the Bills, who managed to do that without a general manager after they fired Doug Whaley. Yesterday, uh, we could go in a whole narrow... We could go in a vortex t- talking about the Buffalo uh, dynamic uh, after talking about the Bears, but we won't bore our listeners. What were your thoughts on the Chiefs uh, taking Pat Mahomes?
0: Um, yeah, I, to be honest, it was... I I, I thought they I were going to take Watson, to be honest. I. But then there was so much... There was, there's been so much hype about Mahomes going into the draft. There's just been, you know, every team has a crush on him, it seemed. So... I I don't know. It's gonna he's gonna have to learn behind a boring, boring quarterback. Unless you think he's going straight in. Do you think he's going straight in?
1: No way. Uh, I think he he no. sits. I think he sits the entire year. Um, and then they will make a decision. What I find particularly interesting is Pat Mahomes is literally the opposite of Alex Smith, and Alex Smith is due a lot of money next year. They would they will save can't remember what it was but it was about at least $15 million if they cut Alex Smith at the end of this season. So there's a couple of things there in a in a tight salary cap situation where I think if they feel Mahomes is ready next year and Alex Smith doesn't up his play and and take them over the hump in terms of you know winning a couple of playoff games then I, I honestly think Mahomes will be your week 1 starter in in 2018 and I don't know if Alex Smith will be on the roster.
0: I'm looking up Alex Smith right
1: now. Oh no, it's how probably, old
0: is Alex Smith? He uh he is 32. Yeah. 32. I'm just trying to think if he's an option for the Browns next season depending on interesting. Depending on the short but
1: it is something to watch. I think he's a, Alex Smith's definitely a big loser and it is an absolute shot across the bow or the bow of Alex Smith when they pick the guy that is the exact opposite of Alex Smith.
0: Yeah, um, I think you know what though. It's going to be good for Mahomes to uh, like Mahomes. Obviously, he's going to have the deep arm. Like that's just who he is. So to complete his game, it might be good to learn from Alex Smith. Yeah,
1: that's not a joke. Like Alex Smith is is a is a good quarterback. He's just too safe. That's the issue. Yeah, it's just Yeah, yeah.
0: And I know I know Travis like. I know it's it's definitely Alex Smith. I'm not saying it's not Alex Smith, but then when you like outside of Travis Kelsey, you don't have too many huge big bodies on the offense of the of the Chiefs. So I mean, it, it, if he if he was to go to a team with you know some really big wide receivers, who knows? He might throw it a bit deeper and like more more you know just jump balls. But I don't know. I, I think it's it's still definitely Alex Smith. He's he's a very very safe quarterback. Probably what it's probably what say the Jets or the Browns do need though. <laughs> so
1: yeah, exactly. I mean,
0: they're, they're definitely an option for him next season because Alex Smith—he's he hasn't been playing bad. He's just been playing super conservative. It's just, he just hasn't,
1: yeah, you know, he hasn't
0: propelled whatever franchise he's playing for to that next level where I think he's still a very good quarterback. And you know, there's definitely teams after him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like his trademark, uh, his free agency market would be sky high because he's, you know, he is a top know, 18 quarterback in the NFL. So, you know, the market for that is is definitely out there. But all the talk is that Andy Reid wanted his very own Brett Favre, and I think he got one in Mahomes in terms of what he best compares to. uh, The other quarterback move was the Texans, despite, you know, Tom Savage being uh, talked about as being their starter week one. we, We knew it was all a smokescreen in smokescreen season, The Texans trade up with the Browns, who are sitting there at number 12 with Deshaun Watson available to pick, but they decided to trade down with the Texans. They picked up uh, number 25 overall and then a first-round pick next year. The Texans take Deshaun Watson. And right now, if you had to bet on Deshaun Watson or Tom Savage to be the week one starter for the Houston Texans, who would your money be on?
0: Um, We're talking about actual predictions, aren't we? Not who I think should
1: start, right? Yeah, who? Yeah, well... I know who you would start, but who do you think Bill O'Brien would start in in week four, week one, uh, for the Houston Texans? They play the Jags.
0: Oh, my God. It is difficult because, like, if, if anything, like, if there's anyone that you have faith in on winning out a competition, it would be Watson. Watson, yeah. in, in the big-time in the big time scenarios, in the big games, when it comes down to being clutch, that's what he is. It's great. Hmm. So I think, you know, he could definitely be week one starter. I mean, I don't know. I really, to, to be honest, it doesn't bother me. Like, Watson will finish the season if Savage starts it. I don't, I don't have any doubt about that. I don't see Savage as being no. a long-term no. answer. Yep. I, I, I don't think anyone sees that. That's why they drafted Watson. But I think, I don't know, I... I'm going to say Watson anyway. I'll say Watson anyway because he's just a
1: winner. Yeah, I agree with that. But if I'm looking at their schedule and I think they they play the Jags and then they're at the Bengals and then they're at the Patriots. If they, if if Tom Savage struggles at the Patriots and most people do struggle at the Patriots, I think after that game might be the perfect opportunity for them to, to make that quarterback change heading heading into week four. And Bill O'Brien's not shy about dumping his quarterback at any time. Remember he dumped brian hoyer after like half a game and then put ryan mallard in and then went back to brian hoyer so uh and and these deshaun watson's definitely better than all these guys uh i think but we'll wait and see in the nfl if, if it does translate but uh those were the those were the three big quarterback moves of all of those moves what what fit do you like the best
0: from round one
1: Uh, Let's just go overall. Um, You know, we should mention Deshaun Kaiser going to the Browns. Let's talking purely about the Big Four. Um, He went at pick fifty-two, I believe.
0: Yeah, you know what though? I know we were. You know, a little bit harsh on Davis Webb. But I feel like if he was to go to any team and kind of be successful, it might be the Giants. I I, I don't know. There's just a weird feeling I have about that whole whole pick and that it's going to pan out and it's kind of an under-the-radar thing. I just, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me because they're in the same division. That's why I'm saying this. But, Hmm. yeah.
1: Interested you went down. I really like the Kaiser-Hugh Jackson fit only because... Kaiser was in that horrid situation in Notre Dame with Brian Kelly, who had no faith in him at all. And, and was just, that was, you know, we talked about toxic environments. That was definitely one. And Hugh Jackson's, you know, really great at, at quarterbacks. And, you know, he made Tirov prior, like relevant as a, a, as a quarterback for a season. He's, he's done good work. I think, um, they're happy to roll with Kessler for a little bit and then they can ease Kaiser in. And I, I I like that fit. And I think even if they don't play Kaiser at all this year and then draft a few more weapons and and build up that offense, but they've definitely improved their offensive line. Now um, I feel like they're going to be in a good spot for, for, uh, for Kaiser. I, I have faith in Kaiser. I'm team Kaiser. I like him. Yeah.
0: I, I like Kaiser too. I mean, there's, there's a lot of teams that didn't do too much wrong. And I've like, I think teams that are getting stick for what they did kind of have, um, like, I feel like, see the Raiders, I feel like are getting stick, but I feel like they, they drafted, they drafted, uh, how would you say? They drafted on upside. If you like, they, like they're, their entire draft. There's so much. Yeah. Uh, there's so much upside there that that could be like one of the greatest drafts ever. But at the same time, it could be such a bust. Exactly. And like, then I like the only yeah. teams
1: that are getting crap is just because someone has to be, you know, the 32nd best team to draft in the draft when you have to rank them all. That's that's the only reason. All the teams got better here. Like unless you unless the Bears unless Trubisky really stinks and they lost all those picks. But generally every team at least drafted and got more talent in their building. Like it's just some moves and fits aren't as great as others.
0: Yeah. Um, Same as Dallas's. I mean, I think even though Dallas, like admittedly, they didn't have the greatest draft, but it's, you know, last season's draft was such a slam dunk. There was so much hype about Zeke and they drafted Prescott. There was just so much hype and just, you know, it was just, it was all it was just a complete hype machine last year of course this season's gonna look like a shadow and, and I mean like and same as the Carolina Panthers everyone is like I feel like no, sorry no one's saying anything bad about the Panthers I might add the like the everyone is in love with the McCaffrey pick everyone's super excited to you know to see this like it's it's kind of really funny that it's kind of rolls reverse usually it's a white quarterback White quarterback, black running back. Now it's a black quarterback, white running back. Like I love that dynamic, <laughs> and you know that that could just be the the weapon that Cam Newton needs to. You know, it, it it could be great. And then the fact that they took Curtis Samuel later on, it's just awesome because Curtis Samuel can you know be this um, can be the running back, and then McCaffrey can play wide receiver. Like it's in, it's yeah. incredible. I, like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I like I'm I'm loving
1: it. I, I love those two picks. Uh, a lot of people thought Samuel was a reach, but imagine how creative you can get with both of those guys on the field at the same time. And then you haven't even mentioned like Jonathan Stewart being healthy. He's been fine when he's actually been healthy. Um, You know, you could have all three of them on the field together and it's like your mind's blown. And then you've always got the threat of cam running the ball. So it's like you have four running, like semi running backs, like on the field at any time. And two of them are insane receivers as well. So it's like, it's going to be creative and it's going to be fun um, you know, and sticking in that division, when you look at the offense, you know, A- OJ Howard falling to to the Buccaneers in round ones, you know, sticking, staying back with round one, I thought that was probably one of the best values of round one, and now you have OJ Howard next to Deshaun da- Jackson, Mike Evans, Cameron Bright, and then we haven't even mentioned Chris Godwin, who the Bucs added later on in insane value. This offense now the Buccaneers offense is is edging closer and closer to this Falcons offense that was probably the best in the league last year. You had these insane offenses now in the NFC South.
0: Yeah, and you know, like looking at other teams that kind of always just go on, like go onto the radar like since you were kind of I mean mock draft, I had mock draft, uh, I had John Ross sliding out of the first round and then there he goes at eight which people obviously look at and go geez, that was high. And I think we all did a little bit, too. And But then when, when you look at their draft, since he is in kind of a weird limbo position at the moment, you can still see them. there's potential there, but they're just kind of just offloading all this talent. It's so confusing. But then yep. they go out yeah. and get John Ross and Joe Mixon, and it's just like, who knows? That could just completely change a franchise. Like, you've got the fastest guy around at the moment, John Ross is just, you know, it's flash himself. And Mixon, obviously, there's, you know, the whole behaviour, character concerns, that kind of thing. But, you know, everyone was kind of hoping their team drafted him on day two. <laughs> it was just...
1: Yeah, deep down. I don't know. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, oh, damn it, Bengals got him. But, like, I know now, you, I know, you know, if someone was to ask you now, you're like, oh, no, you had character concerns. But if you, if your team drafted him, you're like, that's great. And, I mean, Bengals addressed other... Uh, like other Areas too, and like I thought Jordan Willis was good, and like they did they did some good things, and they've gone right under the radar. I think that's good for the Bengals. I think that's good for the Bengals. They shouldn't be, you know, they shouldn't be trying to. I don't know. Like they they do seem like flashy moves, but at the same time, I think everyone's gone. Those were dumb picks, and then no one's expecting anything of the Bengals. So I don't know. I I I like kind of what the Bengals did. It's it's. I don't know. I don't talk about the Bengals very often. so... I.
1: I like what they did, and I also like the Giants taking Evan Ingram as well, but I do have concerns about both of them. Both of them are in really similar spots now in that the Giants have assembled great receiving options, and so the and the Bengals, they needed great receiving options, and they needed an upgrade at running back because Jeremy Hill hadn't panned out and Rex Burkhead left. So I, while I don't knock the John Ross and Joe Mixon picks, and I don't certainly knock the Evan Ingram pick because I like the player... He's a, he, you know, he's a match-up nightmare, as Mike Mayock said. But I am worried about both of those teams failing to address offensive line at all uh, when they've lost players and have had glaring weaknesses in terms of the Giants for, for some time now. And the, the Bengals' offensive line is a real concern to me. Um, I know they needed weapons, but it, it's you're relying now on Jake Fisher and Cedric O'Bogway to be like... I don't know, like you need them to make a step up and, and they've got to be confident, but you've they've lost so much talent on that offensive line. I'm really worried because it was a huge issue for them last year and now it's gotten even worse. Their failure to address it has me a little bit concerned when I when I look at their draft classes, but it is hard to not get excited about John Ross, AJ Green and Joe Mixon on the field at the same time together and likewise with the Giants in, in Marshall, Shepard, OBJ and Evan Ingram now. And and Wayne Goldman, who they picked up as well, it's 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 great offenses, but I'm worried that there's a glaring hole there or an anchor that may hold them down.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's uh like it's kind of the opposite of a lot of teams. You know, the teams will kind of have a stout offensive line and then just have no weapons, or then they. Like, I mean, even though I'm not saying Dallas don't have any weapons, but like Dez was out for so so much last year, and you could see like they had this great offensive line but then no I mean they had Zeke but I'm saying they had no like real star wide receivers where the Giants are just completely loaded but now their offensive line is just they they failed to like left tackle is just such a glaring hole now so it's I mean I don't know it's They've got OBJ and Marshall, so it's, they're not in dire straits. No, so. <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, looking at yes. uh, round one, we kind of skipped ahead there and talked about some of our favorite fits and favorite classes. We'll we'll get into some more in a minute. But just looking before we move on, at the end of looking at round one, because that's where all the biggest names came out. Anything else sort of jump out to you in terms of in terms of value or or, or a favorite fit or pick that you that you really like to see? I, I don't want to be biased here, but I thought Malik Hooker sliding to the Colts was just perfect because he's been compared to ed reed and ed pagano coached reed in baltimore and i just thought that was an insane value slide um both you and i also swore uh quite a lot when marshall Lattimore was taken by the saints because we had hopes at 14 and 15 that he might be there uh for them so that was the value and then jonathan allen to the redskins i thought was another great value as well
0: yeah um Value, I did like O.J. Howard going to the Bucks. I did like him. And if, if you're going to say Malik Hooker, I, my favorite pick of the entire draft, obviously, because it's a, it's a homer pick, but Cyrus Jones going to Philly, I absolutely freaking loved. I just, it was kind of, I thought Philly needs such immediate help when it comes to cornerback. I thought they're definitely going to, you know, they're definitely going I to go. I swear you to said
1: program. Cyrus Jones before. Do you mean Sydney Jones?
0: Well, yeah, I did say Cyrus. Wow, Jones. I, was trying, Jones.
1: I was so confused, and I was like, well, there "Was a trade? The Pats finally got hey. rid of Cyrus?" <laughs>
0: another, no, it's another corner. Anyway, yeah, it's Sydney Jones. They, um, I got you. <laughs> Sydney Jones. But, like I remember, I remember. Um, you know, originally when looking at look, looking at these players, like you look at Sydney Jones, and I was like, Sydney Jones, Lattimore, like just take your pick. Like they're 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 both yep. terrific, but and then. Philly needed such immediate help that, you know, I'm, cont- I'm saying, just take Marlon Humphrey. You know, it's such a reach in round one, but I don't care. I, I feel he's good enough corner. And then when they took him in round two, I was just ecstatic. I just thought, you know, hmm. they didn't have, I didn't think Philly had the testicular fortitude to go out and do that. And then they backed it up with another corner in round three, and I was like, that is good. Like, I mean, I love defensive backs, so it's kind of just, it was just, you know it was a, it was a good day for me it yeah, was a good day uh,
1: but... it, it was a weird feeling for me too like round one like I felt like my Colts probably had one of the best picks on day one it was an absolutely amazing you know fit and I thought oh we locked into that one let's see how day two and three go but the Colts addressed other needs Quincy Wilson was another player I really really liked and and we picked him up in day two and then Terrell Basham as well who are who I like so it's just these it was a weird feeling to actually be really happy and then Marlon Mack as well and it's just like Chris Ballard like where do I sign take all my money I'm, I'm all in with you Chris like you are, are amazing and it's just a weird feeling to come away from a draft actually happy and optimistic not really like because you talk yourself into some stupid picks I remember I talked myself into Philip Dorsett because I just wanted to feel happy about a draft because we hadn't had such great drafts since Andrew Locke so it was it was a really good feeling uh, for that I Another good feeling was Tack McKinley getting taken by the Falcons. I really liked the fit personally across from uh, uh, Vic Beasley. And then for him to have that moment with his grandma, the photo of his grandma and and, and the swearing and asking the NFL to find him he-doesn't-care attitude, that was another, like, WWE moment where he stared down the camera and just preached, and it was just, oh, it was awesome.
0: How do you feel about... uh? Bringing a baby to the draft.
1: <laughs> did you see the Lion King meme? I, that was my other chid scratcher. Like, I liked Garrett Balls. I think he's a pretty good player. I think I, I like that pick. Not many people were keen on that. Everyone preferred Ramchek, where we were watching. But I, I like Garrett Balls. But he's like, oh, my son's gonna remember this for the rest of his life. He's like four months old. How's he gonna remember? Like, I can't remember what I did last week. Like,
0: <laughs> I know he can't distinguish colors yet. But yeah, sure, he'll remember the. Yeah, he'll remember the draft. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, I kind of feel similar to you when you were saying that you just want to feel good about the draft. Like, there hasn't been – I feel like both our teams covered all their needs. There was a – I mean, last – like, I feel like when you're getting halfway through the draft and you're like, oh, yeah, we'll see how he pans out. And then you'll – then you'll, like, they'll draft a player that you really like. So, like, when Philly was going through the motions, you know, they'll – they draft a guard and you're like, it's hard to get excited about a guard. Let's be honest. It's like one of the most um, unexciting positions in all of NFL, but you're just like, I know unexciting is not a word, by the way. I just, yep. it's like, and uh, yeah, so the, you know they draft a guard and you're like, eh, whatever. And then, then they draft a Jordan Hicks and you're like, that's cool. Then the next round they'll draft someone else and you're like, eh. And then the next round you'll go, that's cool. But like every single round I was like, I like that. I like that. I like that. And then, by the end of the draft, I felt Philly did like a really good, a really solid job, and I was like, but they didn't draft a linebacker. They drafted a safety, and like I didn't feel safety was a big need. And then all these articles come straight out, and they're like, no, he's not playing safety; he's playing linebacker. And I was like, that is brilliant. And then I was just happy. I was just, I was sold after that. <laughs> and then all, all the interviews, uh, Nathan and Gary were just like, oh yeah, every team I spoke to was saying, oh, how how would you like to play linebacker? So he goes, I felt a team wanted to take me as a linebacker. So that was just it. So, I mean, I was I was pretty happy with that.
1: You mentioned not getting excited about, uh, you know, a team taking a guard. Uh, I beg to differ. One of my favorite picks in the entire draft was uh, the San Diego Chargers getting Forrest Lamp at pick 38, uh, the sixth pick of round two, and then doubling down in round three with Dan Feeney sliding to them out of Indiana, I really loved what the Chargers did. I, they're one of my favorite draft classes. I wasn't sure about their round four selection, but then they got Desmond King in round five, who I really like as a, as a corner and a safety. He can play pretty much both. But I feel like Lamp and Feeney are going to start from them probably day one, probably game one. If, they're not, if at least one of them is not starting, I'll be shocked. I feel like uh, both of them can play, uh, and Lamp can play tackle as well, but I think both can start at guard. And then when you think about the team that they've got and with Melvin Gordon, and then they've added their new coach who just killed it last year with LaShawn McCoy. You know, Anthony Lynn is a running game like maestro, or maestro, however you want to pronounce it. And now that you have Lamp and Feeney, you, you solved the It was a really thin position, but it was just both outstanding value. I think in terms of value, fit, need, scheme, everything works together. I feel like the Chargers are really good... And then they also took your boy, Mike Williams.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm all and in I on the like, Chargers again. Oh, what a surprise. No, I think I think we all want some excitement for the Chargers. I feel like... I think everyone is like, you know what? They deserve, they deserve something. Because, I mean, they've gone through... I don't know. I just feel like they've gone through so much crap. Like, injuries, Woodhead and Allen last year. And it's like, everyone's like... You've got a good quarterback as well. Like, I just want to see this team function. Like, if all the players are healthy, this team has such high potential. Like, their offense is loaded. Their defense is good. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't team. know.
1: They're flying under they so many radars. I, I I, think they can win the division. I, I honestly think they can win. I know that's a t- tough division. But I think I think they can easily. I mean, you said that it.
0: last season sir. And if I it went for injuries,
1: happens. like they were in there. I mean, they blew that lead against the Chargers in Week One, and then it just tumbled down. But it's a, it's a different team; they don't San Diego anymore. They're not they're not cursed. Uh, all right, some uh, other fits. I just talked about some Day Two or Day Three picks that I really like for the Chargers. Are there some other value picks or some other uh, round round two, round three, or even you know the later rounds that you you liked?
0: Um. Uh...
1: No, <laughs> no <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. What about, I really liked, Buddha Baker going to the Cardinals. Yeah, um, you know what? That is Tyrone Matthew.
0: And you know what I like? I, I like that. Bungard is very. Yes. Um, you know he he loves his football, right? And but he doesn't. He kind of just he's a definite um, wait and see kind of guy. He's like,
1: oh yeah,
0: all right. I'll, you know, I'll wait until I see him on the field, kind of thing. He he doesn't he doesn't get kind of sucked into the, uh, you know, the the draft process, like the pre-draft process with you know all these crazy mocks and things like that. If someone says a play is good, he'll he'll listen to them and say, oh, okay, then I hope we get him if you're saying he's that good, kind of thing. But he won't go out there and research the like all these players, like the experts and things like that. But when he heard the name Bud Baker, he was just like, oh yeah oh, yeah, I'll have him, I'll have him. <laughs> I remember that in the draft, and I was like, oh, God, I actually kind of hope he does go to the Ravens. I, I, I loved that he really, 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 really wanted Bowser to go to the Ravens. Purely and then when that the... happened, <laughs> when that happened, purely for the name and the Super Mario relation, I was I was ecstatic for him.
1: And Baltimore, so was... Baltimore tweeted out a, a, a Bowser gif when uh, he was selected, which was uh, very well done, I'm sure. Many uh, of the social media team across all 32 teams were really desperate to land that pick just for the uh, the retweet value and uh, you know the uh, traffic that that would have received. But Buddha Baker is like a mini honey badger, and you add him in Arizona. I really thought they were trading up to get to Sean Kaiser, who a lot of people thought, or you know, player comp was Carson Palmer, and I thought they were replacing Carson Palmer with a younger Carson Palmer for, for you know 2018 and beyond, but. They traded up, and they, they took Buddha Baker, and I'm, I'm keen to see how he just develops and learns under Buddha Baker. What was your thoughts as well, you know, sticking in the division? Seattle trading back like three times, and then they didn't really take an offensive lineman until late, like late in the second, but they took Malik McDowell. Uh, I, that was another pick I really liked because he's a top 15 player on talent, and they traded back three times, and they still got... You know, a top fifteen player on talent, it's just off the field concerns, but it's another sort of player with a with a strange frame of not, frame of mind heading to Seattle in that locker room.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, to be honest, right? I I I know we haven't like we haven't mentioned the Patriots, but they 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 smashed. It. I reckon they smashed the whole.
1: The Derek Rivers thing really annoyed me. Thirty one other teams Derek- had a chance. Why do you let this happen, NFL? And you've got,
0: like. When I look at their draft, you look—you have to look at their draft as round one, Brandon Cooks, yeah, to Coney Ely. yeah, that kind. Of, you have to look at it that way, and like obviously, they're 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 great players. So then, like they've got a definite win now. They picked up the fifth year option of Corks. It's Just everything looks really good for them going into the season. And you just look at like the draft was so deep, and we we're saying like, look at all these teams. The all these teams drafted well. Like we we've only mentioned like. Two or three that have had suspect drafts that could, you know, possibly just turn out to be good drafts anyway. Dra- like trading back picks and things like that, and still getting these players is just terrific. Like Patriots, they they like they picked up players that you just think, you know, like they, they're Patriots players. Just they've drafted Patriots players, and I feel it's the same with Seattle. Like I don't think Seattle. I think Seattle just did it smart. I think these are the teams that obviously are always they're going to be at the top for I feel like a long time still and it's because they've got this this whole drafting down pat they just they, they really I I feel like Seattle nailed it as well I just I don't know yeah. I I'm, I'm really jealous that that like these teams can be in the position to just be like, oh yeah I'll try it back again why not and we so are going to get something
1: same in it. Minnesota who do it as well like they didn't have a first round pick but they managed to get like three big name players like they traded up and got Dalvin Cook they stayed put and got Pat Elfline, and then they got Jalil Johnson as well. Three like name, big name players that everyone knew, and they like they didn't have a first round pick, and they still just like they still killed it. And they also got like Bucky Hodges at like two, to pick two hundred and one as well, who was supposed to be like a top one hundred player. I don't know why he slid, but they they seem to nail these drafts in like in the beef like the beefy parts, like day two and three as well, and and they smashed it as well from considering that they didn't have a first round pick.
0: First-round pick. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Thanks, uh,
1: <laughs> Thanks for uh, Derek Barnett, uh, Minnesota Vikings. But, yeah. It, it's, yep. it's crazy, you know, these teams that they just, I don't know, they just do it. They Good general manager, good head coach. Just It just shows you how important it is to have, like, we don't realize how important having a good general manager is in terms of players. Like, you talk about Trubisky now entering a Bears environment that's so tough when you look at some of the other players landing environments are so much easier on their transition into the NFL like we don't even factor that at all like i know Jared Goff was really really bad but you look at where he landed in compared to Carson Wentz and it's just like it's hard to really compare the two because one was put in an environment where he could thrive a little bit better and one's in an environment where he's never going to get a chance to thrive like that. And then the Rams as well had a, another terrible draft. I don't understand what the Rams are doing. It, it was one of the worst that I saw.
0: Yeah, and like, absolutely. like, And you look at, like, Dak Prescott, and this isn't just, like, NFC's bias kind of thing, or, you know, I'm not just trying to roll Cowboys fans up here, but if he was at the Rams, no way would he have had it even close to the season that exactly. he had playing Dallas. So, I mean... I don't know. But anyway, going to the Rams. The Rams are in a... I think they're going to be in lim... I think Los Angeles residents are happy that the Chargers are
1: coming. <laughs> Remember when we talked about what the Chargers left it too late and they wanted to be the... They should have wanted to be the first. It's all right. The Rams will just draft seven slot receivers every year for the next eternity. Who needs outside presence when you can just have Cooper Cup and Tavon Austin and, and Farrow Cooper running slot routes or whatever the... whatever his name was last year. Who needs a huge outside presence. Oh, wait, sorry. No, we signed Robert Woods. We're okay. We don't need an outside guy anymore. Like I just, and then they drafted Gerald Everett like at 44 overall, and then try to say that this 21 year old head coach rated him higher than David Njoku and OJ Howard, which is just give me a break.
0: Hey, things, the Rams get you fired
1: Cooper, up. Cooper Cup's like nearly older than their head coach. Cooper Cup's twenty five, and their head coach is like
0: twenty seven years old. Like, <laughs> can we just can we just slow down on calling him old? Considering you know we're a year older than. Yeah, Come but on. in
1: terms of a prospect, like OJ Howard's like twenty. Like it's just, it's pretty crazy.
0: I don't know.
1: You mentioned the know. Patriots killing it. If you ask Heath Evans, they drafted like seven first-round picks, he said that if Coney Ealy entered the draft this year, he'd be a number one overall pick. He then said Mike Gillisley was a number one overall pick, as uh, number one, a first-round talent as well. Um, I want what Heath Evans is smoking. <laughs> Give me some of that and take me to Funtown. All
0: right, saying, saying that, Coney Ealy could be a first-round pick. Uh, and no,
1: he said first overall, like ahead oh, no, of. No, no, like, no,
0: no, no. No, I know, I know. I'm yeah. saying, I'm just like backing. I'm saying that yeah, like Tony Ealy could be first round, yeah. yeah. First overall, nowhere near. Um, Brandon Cooks, yeah, he would be a first rounder. Uh, I don't know. Like, the, the the other guys they've got are uh, just Patriots players. Like yep. you look at them and you're like, they're Patriots players. They're not necessarily round ones, but they could all. I, I mean, I feel like Patriots can draft an entire team in round three like they're just they're that kind of team they just i think they'd give away uh, they'd give away tons if they could just have you know six um round three picks every single year i think they just they'd be completely content with that
1: yep uh i know you mentioned you the jets before I, I still don't understand their philosophy they drafted two safeties just two years removed from drafting calvin Pryor, and then they draft two, then they double down on two wide receivers as well like i know you're trying to build your rosters but i you know I thought maybe if you're trying to draft a, a quarterback next year it's clear that they want to tank this year and 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 load up next year but they didn't draft like any people in the trenches for for next year I feel like you need to build up you know those that offensive line and and those linebacker core and 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 I know they've got a stout D line but I wasn't sure about what they and I like both the players in terms of Adams and May I just I'm just a bit unsure about the philosophy but they did get uh Chad Hanson He's going to be teammates with uh, Lockie, Lockie Edwards.
0: Beautiful. Two handsome fellas. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you're looking at, Not only is, uh, you know, the gorgeous man there now, I feel that they still have to... Like, like I said before the draft, they have to draft these players that, you know, have potential, that fans can still get excited about, that, you know, they, they might... Be, they might turn to these stars, these wide receivers. Like wide receivers are an exciting pick. They even if they're in round four, you still go, you know what, this wide receiver could be something. Like you just yep. that that's where wide receivers come from. They come from those deep rounds or you know the top ten. That's that's kind of just where wide receivers come from. Hmm. So at, like how many wide receivers in the NFL are you know great but were undrafted? There's tons of them. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: like, Antonio Brown was, like, taken in the fifth round. And um, apparently Denver got this year's Antonio Brown in Carlos Henderson. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. But, yeah, plenty... Like, i what,
0: I, I got to say, I hate player comparisons. I hate them. Yeah. Absolutely hate them. It,
1: it puts unfair pressure on the player when you get compared to an all-time great. I, I don't like saying in terms of comp, but I in terms of, like, play comparisons, but I like saying that he might have... Flashes of this player, or you know, does things similar to this player, or athletically they compare to. I like the use of the analytics comparisons in terms of athleticism and body shape and size, that sort of stuff. I like, but yeah, I uh, you know, saying such and such will be the next such and such is is an annoying thing.
0: Yeah, when I, when I understand, you know, they someone might be six four you know 250 pounds and you'll go oh yeah that guy is that guy like that's fine but when they go you know what when they announce a pick and they should say you know pick 100 they draft this guy and you go you know what they just drafted the next ad read, and you just go well we, get did. Out like, we, did. we get did, out of here we did we did
1: though malik <laughs> hooker by the way i love getting value on a hooker just love it um Thanks to Greg Rosenthal for that for that line that he had the other day. I thought that was great. In a in a deep defensive back class, after Julio Jones has torched you in the playoffs for two hundred gazillion yards, why did Green Bay take three running backs? And their best one was their second last one, second one, Aaron Jones.
0: Well, well, you know when like teams are just struggling with the whole quarterback position, so they just draft and pick up tons of them in free agency and just let them battle it out. I think that's what Green Bay is doing. I think Green Bay haven't had too much success recently with running backs, so they're just going, you know what? I think if we have 100 of them, we'll definitely find a good one somewhere.
1: Yep. All right. Is there any other uh, picks that you like to talk about or teams or or fits or anything like that because we hit the hour mark now. We can pretty much wrap it up. I think we've done a pretty good job covering. I know we haven't talked about everyone's teams, but uh, I think we've covered sort of the main talking points uh, and, you know, some of the, the better players and the better fits.
0: I love the Taco Charlton pick.
1: <laughs> Quietly, Dallas could have a disaster on their hands. If Jordan Lewis's you know, legal issues hurt them, they're, they're without him. And then their best pick's probably Chidobe Awuzie and then Xavier Woods in the sixth round. And that's, you know, but if you can get two starters out of a draft, that's not too bad. By the way...
0: I, I, don't, want to say, I don't want to say I'm rooting for it, but I'm not rooting against it. <laughs>
1: I, I like the Saints in terms of Marshawn Lattimore. I know they, and then Ryan Ramchick, but because they were on the phone to Reuben Foster, well, that would have made things a little bit better. But I don't understand signing Adrian Peterson two days before the draft and then trading up a whole heap when you've said you're trying to address your defense and then take Alvin Kamara to be your third down back. Like I don't, I, I, that was a very Saints pick. I, and I never really rated Kamara that highly, to be honest, as well. So that was another sort of a chin scratcher for me.
0: Oh, it, I think it was for. I think it was for everyone. Though everyone was like, "So wait, did Peterson sign? Let's just make it clear. Did did he sign?" I feel like everyone was just really confused with that whole thing. And then you've got those people who are just, you know, would just jump off a bridge for Sean Payton. And yeah. everyone's like, you know, I'm he knows that. exactly what he's doing. He's going to do this with those three players. It's going to be, you know, Seven it's going to be nine. wonderful. Drew Brees, Drew Brees. has never <laughs> had this. Oh. Like, seven admittedly, nine. Two, if it was two years ago, that backfield would be dynamite. Hmm. With Peterson, two years younger, scary stuff. But Seven and nine.
1: Uh, seven and nine. I'll put it in that you hit it here for seven and nine. Uh, my last thought as well, I, I forgot this, is the Ravens. You talked about Humphrey and Bowser. I thought Chris Warmly and Tim Williams were, were really great picks. Day two, Ozzy Newsom just kills it. Uh, No skill position players, though. So over under 65 passes to Denny Woodhead behind the line of scrimmage this year from Joe (laughs) Flacco.
0: I don't know, but I I think that's going to feature very heavily.
1: (laughs) All right, uh, we'll finish off with one last thing. Now that the draft's over and we know who teams have drafted, let's just look at the... uh, the odds for next year's Super Bowl and see if there's any value now. Even though none of these rookies have played a snap, just projecting on what you like and dislike. Uh the Patriots, I've never seen a favorite so short in a long, long time. They're five fifty on uh on William Hill at the moment. Steelers, Packers, Cowboys, and Falcons all at twelve dollars. And then you've got Seattle at thirteen, Denver at fifteen, Oakland seventeen, Kansas City nineteen. Uh, is there any team that you think got marginally better that you wouldn't mind taking a small little flutter on, or or you think it's just just load up on New England at this point?
0: Uh, I mean, it's ha- it is hard to see. Like, it's not hard to see. You know, teams with potential that could go. I I do like the Giants. If the Giants do sort out their O line, and you know, like it's not as big an issue as you know we kind of project. Yep. They could be really scary. They like, they do have like. It's a team that, you know, can make it, just make its way into the playoff and then get really hot. And then you yep. look at that team, and if that team's in form, holy crap.
1: Yeah, and Eli like, Manning knows but, how to beat Tom Brady, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, like, looking at that, you think, wow. And then at the same time, you think that O-line could collapse. Mar- uh, Marshall could have fallen off a cliff. Yep. You know, the Kardashian curse may hit again with OBJ. <laughs> Who knows what happens? You're still, Who
1: knows what you're Still claiming the on the uh, old Kardashian curse on I love it. Keep keep fighting, you're fighting the good yeah. fight. Uh, for me, Arizona at twenty six dollars is t- juicy. Like if Carson Palmer is back to you know MVP candidate, Carson Palmer, the Cardinals aren't far off in terms of you know they just had a bad year last year. So at twenty six dollars, they're a team that I think you could get excited about. I know the Dolphins, they had a very plain sort of just middle of the field drop, but that's good for the Dolphins because like you, you've like your team gets way too splashy. I feel like they're such more level headed under Gase. They're at $41. I feel like that'll decrease a little bit. Cause remember you can cash out on these. So uh, there's plenty of value, but for me, the Chargers $51 just, I'm in love with the Chargers this year. They're my second favorite team at this point until Philip Rivers retires probably. Um, I like what they did. Anthony Lynn in there. No more Mike McCoy. Not bad odds. Juicy. Are you okay? Yep, I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm good. All right. Uh, so we hinted at the top of the show next month we will uh, be doing a special uh, episode. Do you want to hint at it and then we'll finish the show? Just a hint. Don't tell anyone what it is.
0: The podcast will start with W. All
1: right. It's a Good enough here. All right. That's, uh, that wraps up the show. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow Woot.
0: <laughs> Sorry. My cryptic clue could just be Woot and Y. <laughs>
1: yes, absolutely. Um,
0: uh, you can follow me at Woot, etc. Yeah. On Twitter. That's where you can get that's
1: me. Exactly. You can follow us at Woot and Y on Twitter, and you can listen on iTunes Uh, Stitcher, Audio Boom now, iHeartRadio in the States Google Play as well in the States and please like us on Facebook The Wooten Why Show and give us iTunes reviews Peace Bye